Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of If Memory Serves here on NOTLG.com. I'm Taylor, and with me as he is every month when we wander back through those hazy halls of our memories growing up in the Bay Area in the 80s and the 90s, he's the, well, he's the green slime to my idiot. It's my brother, Seb. Seb, how's it going? It's going, uh, it's going pretty good. I've just been busy trying to plan my escape from coronavirus country. We seem to be kind of ground zero of the outbreak here in Northern California. Uh, thinking about maybe, you know, piling into my car and trying to find some ghost town in central Nevada to camp out at for a couple weeks or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting a little overboard on this, but, uh, you know, it's been something on my mind. But yeah, um, otherwise, yeah. things have been pretty good, pretty good. Nice. Um, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing all right. It's been uh, it's been a busy February. Um, I, I apologize in advance if um, I'm maybe not as in depth on this episode as uh, I might otherwise be. Mm. Um, but yeah, things are things are going well. Okay. Been uh, working on the bus a lot. Yeah. It's about ready to go back in finally and uh, can drive it for maybe the second time this entire calendar year. Nice. Um, but yeah, what? It, let's take a look at some stuff that's happened previously on If Memory Serves. So middle of this month, I went down to Los Angeles for the Gallifrey One Doctor Who convention. Hmm. And I would know we've talked Doctor Who like on our PBS episode. And who knows, maybe we'll do an entire episode just on uh, on that topic at some point. Yeah, um, totally. But it was fun. It's always good to see my friends uh, who I only seem to see at this convention. Uh, hmm. I got to meet uh, Peter Davison, the fifth Doctor. Wow, that's uh, awesome. And a few of his companions. Okay. Um, actually it was very entertaining. Um, in, um, I got his autograph and I got the autograph of both Janet Fielding and Sarah Sutton who played Tegan and Nissa respectively. Okay. Um, and I had completely forgotten that Peter Davison had played like the, um, I don't know what to call him. The, the suckling pig in the hitchhiker's guide. Uh, yes, yes. Mini series that the BBC like- did. Wasn't that like the restaurant at the end of the yes, universe or something? Exactly, yes. Exactly. Right. And uh-huh. so as I'm kind of like uh, waiting in line to, uh, you know, pay and get an autograph, I'm I'm looking at the photos on the table <laughs> that you can pick from to have them signed. And one of them is that one. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That's I, classic. That's hilarious. Because I had completely forgotten until I saw that picture. I was like, that's right. He totally oh, wow. was that. Um, that's awesome and i thought you'd appreciate um i don't quite remember the context but in uh, a panel that was uh him and his companions talking about uh you know his era on the show he did Mm. mention campion at one point oh nice get a a kick out of yeah definitely um but it was a lot a lot of fun um and a lot more guests than just them uh, okay that were there the ninth doctor was there christopher eccleston um uh, one of the current companions on the current season uh, was there and mm. um, just tons of people who work behind the scenes and mm-hmm. who've been guests on the show and uh, script editors and all sorts of stuff. It's just a blast. Did you see any like awesome 
vintage Doctor Who role-playing figurines for sale or anything uh, cool yes, like that? Actually. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, Very cool. I I didn't I didn't purchase any of them. Um, mm-hmm. I did buy a few a couple years ago that were loose out of the box, um, mm. just because that would be more affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like my purchases this time around were pretty much um, autographs and books. Okay, very cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, sounds like a great time. Um, oh, it always is. And and tickets for next year go on sale tomorrow. Holy cats. Yeah. Wow. Hitting it really early this year. So amongst everything else I've got to do tomorrow, I've got to remember to do that too. Very cool. Very cool. Do you have any... Uh, uh, yeah um yeah share? yeah previously on um a couple episodes ago i think we talked or i talked about a uh find of some unproduced prototype action figures made in the 1980s based on the uh film the last starfighter which i think we both have fond memories of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um they eventually came up for public sale i believe and i was a little heartbroken that i didn't win the lottery in time to purchase them, but I'm very happy to report that they have been purchased and are going to be put on display at the Bat Cave Comics and Toy Store in Santa Rosa, California, of all places. So I actually went, we actually could theoretically, uh, if we're going through Santa Rosa, stop by and see the greatest toys we never had as little kids. Cause um, I'll tell you what, if I had those, if they had actually gone into production, I totally would have nagged mom and dad for a set, I believe. That's awesome. Um, I know. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. It's nice to know that they're not, you know, you know, in some reclusive millionaire secret collection somewhere or something. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Very good news. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a zip over and see what is happening in the news. And um, it looks like these first two links are ones that you put in. So why don't you tell us about them? Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already heard, Rick Moranis is back. He will be starring in his first feature film in over 20 years, I think. Um, I believe it's going to be a Disney reboot of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which is probably the one of the most well-known um, series of films he starred in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you right now, I am 100% on the Rick Moranis train. Um I love him. I don't know anybody who doesn't love him. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, his wife tragically passed away and he kind of retired from acting to raise their kids. And oh. I'm assuming they're mm-hmm. pretty much grown up now so he can maybe get back into the acting game. I'm not sure. Um, he definitely fits, like, I always think of him in my mind, unfortunately, along with maybe like Phil Hartman or John Candy. Even though he's not dead, he's almost dead. Well, his career was kind of dead, basically. <laughs> I just never heard of him anymore. But you know what? Here's the thing he leaves such a happy smile on my face that um, it's almost like I feel like he's returning to the, the world has become such a crazy place. Him returning to the world in terms of, you know, public, you know, film appearances. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, it's almost like this is the time we need him the most. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know. It just made me really happy. So um, Rick Moranis, uh, we salute you. Um, Also in the news, uh, the trailer for the Steven Spielberg reboot of Amazing Stories uh, launched, and it looks amazing. Nice. Um, I believe many episodes ago, we might have mentioned the fact that they were going to reboot this. Um, so they definitely have gotten around to doing it. Um, I'm happy to report that they did use the original music, which is amazing. Cool. Um, and I think the thing that, that hit me the most was um, I'm kind of a fan of an actor named Robert Forrester who recently passed away. 
and he actually is in one of the episodes. It must I was really surprised to see him. He must must have been one of the last things he did before he passed. So um, I believe it's on Apple TV. Uh, not sure what Apple TV is, but hopefully I'll be able to find it somewhere and watch it. So I'm pretty excited. Well, so long as you can sign up for iTunes and uh, I don't know. I don't know if they've got a little box that you plug into your TV or what. I Yeah, I just don't know. Right, right. My North Korean television. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Nice. Exactly. Well, I man, I tell you, the do you remember the little Tiger Electronics handheld games? This was like, you know, Game Boy before there was Game Boy. Was this the one that was the bowling one? Um, No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, but the these were little, um, you know, uh, single game handheld okay. units. Mm. Um, oftentimes there was a like a single image background and just little like black LCD characters. Okay. On the okay. screen that would you know do battle or whatever. Okay. Well, those games are coming back. Nice. Um, the. Uh, Hasbro okay. uh, has revealed that it's bringing back the Tiger Electronics handheld video games in four new versions. It looks like um, at least X-Men and Transformers. I'm trying to see what the other two titles might be. Okay. Um, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and The Little Mermaid are the oh, other wow. two. Um, and I am looking to see... Okay, they are available for pre-order right now over okay. at uh, GameStop for about a whopping 15 bucks each. Do they kind of look like they looked back in the day? Yeah, they oh, okay. really do. Oh wow, they really do. It's um, it's actually kind of impressive just how how simple and retro they look. Very cool. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Yeah, that'd be a good stocking stuffer. Oh, possibly. Yeah, yeah. that's not a bad idea. Totally. Um, and amongst other things that are coming back this year, Nerf is bringing back three original Super Soaker designs. Oh my gosh! Now we had Super Soakers. We we definitely had super soakers, um, um, and the fact that you know I look at these the the super soaker XP thirty, uh-huh. uh, the XP twenty, which is I guess more of a pistol looking one. Yeah, the pistol. I remember the pistol Do one. You? Yeah, okay, I can't uh-huh. remember if we had that one or not. Mm. Um, and the one hundred, which I'm pretty sure we had the one hundred. Okay, is that the one? Looking, looks okay. looking at the it, maybe it was like like fluorescent yellow or lime green maybe yeah i know what you're talking right that's exactly right those were so huge back in the day i mean because it's like basically up until that point the arms race was like the little cheapo plastic squirt guns with i don't know i don't know if you remember the little plastic stopper in the back and it would always leak out of it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean oh yeah oh my god yeah Yeah. super soakers were just like and then it's like if, if if a neighbor kid got one it's like everybody had to get one or else he was gonna like basically run the block you know what i mean pretty much totally Pretty much. Wow! So, yeah, three God. of those original designs are coming back this year. God bless you, Nerf. We salute you. <laughs> wow. Um, and lastly, we got and, a little bit of sad news. Yeah, yeah. This is something I just saw the other day, and I had to throw it up there. Um, Jens Nygaard Knudsen, which I'm ashamed to say I wasn't uh, immediately familiar with his name, uh, the creator of the Lego minifigure, mm-hmm. actually passed away uh, this past month, um, which is really sad. Um, I believe the minifigure debuted in the very late 1970s. Okay. Um, and of course, um, you know, goes without saying, you know, little smiling yellow decapitated heads that you could replace wigs on to <laughs> fit the gender choice of your of your uh, of your desire. Um, I mean, I don't. 
it was so brilliant. I mean, it was just, I'm sure there must be some statistics somewhere of how many minifigures have been manufactured over the past 40 years. And I'm oh, sure man. it's, I'm sure it exceeds greatly the human population of the earth. Yeah, let's just uh, be glad minifigs don't have the vote. <laughs> oh my well, God. Maybe, maybe we should wish they had the vote. Who knows? I, mean, I, I want to vote for a Lego minifig. That would probably <laughs> be a better choice than pretty, pretty much any other choice we have. I know. I That would be the leader we need. I totally yeah. agree. Wow. That's but right. uh, Jens, we salute you. Indeed. So, wow. Lots of saluting going on. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, parent. Gosh, wow. I'm thanks, tired. Dusty. Yeah, thanks, Dusty. <laughs> As I call you my son's name. Aww. I know. Should we tell mom? Should we tell? Yeah, right. No, she'll listen. She'll, she'll oh, hear okay. it. She'll hear it. She'll hear it. Uh, shall we get into the main event, Seth? Ooh, yes. I can't wait to know what we're going to talk about tonight. Oh, oh, here we go. We are talking about... That's right. We are talking about our memories of Nickelodeon Part One because Part this one. is going to be a two-month event. A lot of memories here, definitely. So many memories. Like our yeah. first, really like big legit cable channel that we didn't have a dish up in a tree stealing off the satellite thanks hbo right yeah this is this is gonna be an episode that kind of reminds me of we've done another episode on a whole station before the pbs episode so this is kind of like following up on that but where pbs was a lot of educational stuff i mean nickelodeon was just everything across the board um as we'll hear more about tonight and Hopefully, some of our listeners also have some uh, warm childhood memories of this uh, cable channel as well. Oh, I, I already know uh, a couple of my good friends do. In fact, uh, my co-host John is going to uh, hopefully be supplying us with a recording of some of his Nickelodeon memories. Uh, oh, perfect! Share with you probably next month since he didn't get it to me in time for this month. That'll be great. Yeah, yeah, totally. I um, love it. And I know an- another good friend of mine lives down in. Uh, bakersfield a, a big doctor who fan um very nice guy um but he is a massive pete and pete fan oh really oh yes. very cool uh, nice very 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 big ma- uh, pete and pete fan so um i might um well we're talking about pete and pete this month so i, I probably won't bug him for any uh, uh memories but i do want to recognize that because yeah yeah um so nickelodeon actually I, I didn't know this because I, you know, I started to just pull a bit of research together. Actually, launched December first, nineteen seventy-seven. Wow! Under the name Pinwheel. Okay. Um, as the first cable channel for children. Hmm. Uh, the name Nickelodeon didn't come along until April first, nineteen seventy-nine. Okay. Um, but even then, late seventies. Yeah, I, I had no idea it was that early. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I don't. I don't think. Uh, Nickelodeon really hit its stride and kind of got big until maybe the early 80s. Um, but I know you and I both probably have pretty fond memories of Nick at Night. Oh, yeah. Nickelodeon, Nick Jr., Nick at Night. The whole thing was great, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. The first time that I ever felt that I had... I mean, I totally fell for the marketing, hook, line, and sinker. I mean, the idea that there was a TV channel just for kids. I mean, I took that literally for gospel truth you know what i mean i was like oh okay this is ours channel or something like that you know like i had some ownership in it um and I, you know it wasn't until like 
much later in my life that I even realized that Nickelodeon was was a word that existed before the cable channel existed. I mean, what it was oh. like some sort of weird like twentieth century kind of like dime theater or something. Well, I yeah, maybe not dime, little, but uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I believe that Nick at Night was obviously the stuff they would show later in the evening, which was more like kind of like reruns from the 50s like shows from the 50s you know yeah, 50s and 60s yeah 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 totally like classic sitcoms and stuff like that exactly uh and then obviously as time went on um and the audiences uh grew up you know nick at night is now more sitcoms from like the 80s to the early 2000s right right yeah um which okay you know that's that's a whole different nostalgia. I'll always think of Nick and Knight as being lots of you know uh, Donna Reed show and Mr. Ed and uh, mm-hmm, Ronan mm-hmm. Martin's laughing stuff like that. Totally, yeah. Some of the first things, some of the just first flash images when I think Nickelodeon are just you know like the logo, like the bright orange, mm-hmm. you know, um, green slime. Um, for some reason, the thing the thing that stuck sticks out in my, my my memory the most when I think about old TV shows from our childhood are, are a lot of the the music, you know, like the commercials and stuff like that, the mm-hmm. bumpers. Um, just you know, I, it's almost like I can just you know rattle off the the words to the song basically. Um, so yeah, what's uh, should we start with uh, talking about Pete and Pete? Yeah, or uh, let's yeah, uh, let's just let's just go down the list as it is. All right, yeah. Um, which interestingly enough, uh, as much as I actually looked up uh, stuff on Pete and Pete just to refresh my memory, um, I, I didn't throw any of them into the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I guess the first thing that I would want to talk about is is um, uh, basically, I guess, like the theme song. It's it's a song called Hey Sandy by a group named Polaris. Mm-hmm. And um, you know music than I, better than I do. I'm not sure how, how one could best describe it of that song but it's um it's 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 wistful it's um it's soulful it's a it's a song that you know anybody hears that song and they're familiar with pete and pete they're they're instantly going to associate that song with the show basically Mm -hmm. um i mean the show itself incredibly interesting incredibly artsy and quirky but not pretentious it has sort of a wes anderson vibe um that was something that i just kind of felt like Kind of like, um, you know, they existed in a universe. I mean, obviously set in New Jersey. It's a show about a young guy named Pete and his little brother also named Pete and the childhood adventures they go on throughout mm-hmm. life. Um, you know, a lot of strange characters they would encounter in their lives in school and with family. Um, the younger Pete obviously had famously a arm tattoo of a scantily clad woman, I believe, but named Petunia. Yep. The mom had a metal plate in her head mm-hmm. that could pick up radio stations. Um, there was a guy named Artie, the strongest man in the world, who was sort of like a superhero, but also kind of like a neighborhood weirdo or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, trying to think of, like, if I had to elevator pitch what Pete and Pete was to someone. And oh, I mean, God, that's so hard. Like the nearest equivalent I could come up with was the show Erie, Indiana, but Erie, Indiana mm. is like kid X-Files in a way. Yeah. I mean, Erie, Indiana is so similar because it's kids living in a bizarre world, but like in Erie, Indiana, it was like, they were scared of the bizarre world or tried to solve it. But like Pete and Pete, it's just like, they took it as like 
normal maybe yeah pete and pete is almost kind of a um like a kid twin peaks in a way oh totally that's so much better um, i mean it was the kind of it was the kind of show where where there was one episode where the father they were at the beach or something and the father had a metal detector and he was looking for coins and he found and dug out an entire station wagon that they then drove home in and it was completely normal <laughs> Yes, I watched. I rewatched that one. That one episode. Um, there was a guy named Mister Tasty who was a guy that ran the neighborhood ice cream truck who had a huge like styrofoam head in the shape of a like a like an ice cream cone. Mm-hmm. It, um, it, it, it's um, Pete is a show um, where it's not so much uh, uh, magic realism as a genre. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. absurdist. Yeah, it was well, realism. it was. A, it was absurdist, but it was like um, it, it totally captured, I think, what it felt like to be a kid. There was one really great episode. I think it's called King of the Road. Okay. And the older Pete, the family was on some sort of vacation and they were having a, a lunch at a rest stop on the, off the highway. And, and the, young, the older Pete kind of uh, had a crush on like a girl that he met there. And like he had this huge, disgusting ketchup stain on the front of his shirt. It was a minor plot point. And there was just something so that was something that always stuck with me that I remembered because real life is meeting someone you have a crush on and you have a ketchup stain on your shirt at the same time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but the, it's like when I look back at it now, the thing that that surprises or shocks me the most are the list of guest stars that this weird, tiny little show that was yeah. only on for three seasons had. I they mean, had some crazy popular guest stars. I mean, just looking at the like the ones that just jumped out to me. Okay, Iggy Pop, mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi, yeah, Michael Stipe from REM, oh yeah, LL Cool J, Debbie Harry, and the famous bank robber Patty Hearst. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, most of these people aren't even like really actors. I mean, a lot of them are entertainers. They're all like amazing public figures, but it's like they all end up on this weird little kids show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's just, I feel so privileged to have lived in a time where something so interesting and creative was a part of, was, was a normal and, you know, not surprising part of our lives, but just something that was just normal and there, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. And, and, and that it, it's one of those things that, you know, when I think about it now as yeah. a parent, I'm like, how would my kids react to this show? I mean, cause mm. I feel like on the whole, like kids shows have changed sure i mean i think but yeah there is kind of a uh uh, a sublimeness to it's 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 almost a little more cerebral than your average show it's it's definitely more cerebral um it definitely has and maybe this is just nostalgia looking back on it but it had a wistful quality almost like like the you know it's the uh the last week of summer vacation kind of thing you Mm -hmm. know um maybe there's a whole like prepubescent thing happening, you know, you're, you're like starting to have crushes on people thing. I don't know. There's just, it's hard to describe. And I think that's probably why it's so great. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, no, definitely. Um, Pete and Pete is by far just a massive classic. And, and I don't think there's been anything even really close to it since. I think the two actors that played Pete and Pete, they still have like this day, a podcast that they do. Oh, t- really i think so and i think they do it sometimes in front of live audiences oh that's awesome um, i will say the actor that plays the older pete i once saw him playing a murderer on an episode of law and order 
and I was just I was shocked, and I couldn't I couldn't get past it. I mean, I watched he's it. Still from New Jersey, man. Yeah, I know. Right? Is this, is this like actually the same character, but he's just grown up, grown up, and gone bad, basically? I mean, you know, I was I was desperate to know. Yeah, Pete and Pete. Um, yeah, great show. Really great totally, show. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next one on, on the list is one that I I remember watching. Okay. But it was one I almost feel like I watched just because it was like, oh, it's on. Nothing else is on. Mm. Um, and that is Clarissa Explains It All. Yeah. Uh, ran from 91 to 94. So obviously high school years. So I'm at this point, I'm kind of drifting out of Nickelodeon age. Okay. Um, so I, I probably didn't watch all of it okay um but honestly i probably started watching it because i thought melissa joan hart was cute mm-hmm. um and she's like five months older than me really oh, i okay. think she was born in like april of 76 and i was born in september yeah um but this was i think it was kind of topical just because um you know she played a character who would frequently break the fourth wall Mm-hmm. address the audience as to her her inner thoughts and it's just um you know it's Nick's teenage years it's yeah. um uh you know here's all these things that are going on here's uh, uh school stuff that's going on here's uh changes that are happening to our bodies and all that kind of stuff yeah um, you know and just yeah. kind of kind of addressing that yeah, you know, I I never watched the show. I'll be honest. The only the only episode I have any familiarity with, I think there was a a very special episode where they dealt with like eating disorders. Okay. Um, and I I think there were there were parts of the show where there was like an animated version of Clarissa who would say things like it was it was a live action show, but there were like bit car- parts of it that were animated as cartoons. Mm, are you sure you're not thinking of Lizzie McGuire on the Disney Channel? You know what? I am totally talking about Lizzie McGuire on the Disney Channel. I, I take back everything I said. Parts. Yeah. Okay. So uh, very similar. Not, not Clarissa explains it all. Okay, no. Lizzie McGuire. Right. Um, uh, hmm. Oddly enough, right. this was. Um, I suppose we're doing things a little out of order here. This was actually the second sitcom uh, to premiere on Nickelodeon after Hey Dude. <laughs> and we will talk about Hey Dude next month. Yes. One of my absolute all-time favorites. Stay tuned. Right. Um, but again, that was, you know, going through the, the, the Wikipedia list of, you know, Nickelodeon former shows. And I'm just like throwing out ones that I recognize. I was like, oh, yeah, Clarissa. But was Clarissa explains it all? You know, I just I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, do you think like most of you watching it was like having a crush on her or uh, I, I mean, I, I think that was maybe what kind of drew me to it originally. Right. Um, but I mean, it, it was entertaining. Yeah. You know, um, if you had to if you if you had to say that Clarissa explains it all, would it be more similar to like, let's say, um, one of the one of the books in the the Sweet Valley High series or the, the like, what was the other one? The Babysitter, not the Babysitter. Babysitter's um, Club. It's Babysitter's Club, yeah. I've never read any Babysitter's Club, so I couldn't tell you. Oh, no, wait, are you serious? Yeah, dead serious. Okay. But um, you were like, you were like Mr. Sweet Valley High, right? I did enjoy those books more than I probably should have. You had like 1,800 of them. I don't think I had quite that many, but I did have quite a few of them. We had as many of those as we had like the Garfield Rectangular books, I think. Didn't Garfield we? Garfield Rectangular books are at least better. Let's put it that way. And they're rectangular. And they're rectangular. It's never a bad thing. No, no. I have to say, I love how much my kids have absolutely glommed on to Calvin and Hobbes. Oh my God! Yeah, totally. Speaking of rectangular books, 
Right, right. They absolutely love reading Amber's old Calvin and Hobbes books from when she was a kid. Do you think they're old enough for Farside yet? Mm, maybe a little later? Maybe a little later. Echo might okay. be able to get some of it. Okay. Because right. Farside is pretty. You really kind of have to think. Yeah, some of it's deep. some of them. Right, right. Um, but, but soon. So okay. give them another year or so. Okay. Awesome. Uh, well, next um is a show that that maybe should have been first on the list because it was the origin of so many things oh my god on this network the big bang the no because the big bang is a terrible show um <laughs> uh, no this is legendary legendary right. of legendaries it is you right. can't do that on television oh my gosh i mean uh, where do we even begin i mean it, 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 one thing that i saw somebody hit me in the head but it was so true it was like um monty python but for kids and absolutely i mean even the opening sequence on the show was inspired by terry gilliam's work on monty python like the opening credits like the weird animation thing but it's not really animation but it's like almost like a like a i don't know like a like a cutout kind of thing a collage or a stop motion thing yeah 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 exactly um i mean it really Yes. I mean, there's obviously some Monty Python, um, you know, sketch comedy connections you can make. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, in my, the way that I describe it, it's like Saturday Night Live meets Laugh-In for kids. Right. So you're going to have a primarily young, younger cast who are doing um, different skits, mm-hmm. um, but there's going to be some overarching recurring characters played multiple characters played by the same actor adult actors well yeah and um, i mean each uh, each episode would have kind of like a an overarching theme mm. and so the sketches would deal with that locker jokes you remember like like on laughing they they'd open up a panel and be like hey so and so yes yeah. they would do this but in like school lockers right and you know what that's interesting you mentioned that one of the things i saw in my notes um, in 2004, when the fans and cast reunited for the show's 25th anniversary, the original lockers were auctioned off, what? which blows me away. The fact that the, th- the thought that somebody could actually own one of those lockers or where did they even find the lockers after 25 years? I mean, were they really the real lockers? Right? Who had like a, ba- like a bank of school lockers? Um, um, holy cow. I feel like I feel like I saw somewhere that for that 25th anniversary, there actually was a documentary made. Oh, wow. Um, which I really kind of want to look up because, you know, this, this was a show that like started on Canadian television. It started on 79. Yeah. It went from like the, it was like 79 to like the late eighties. I think so. Yeah. Um, totally interesting that it came from Canada because it seems like a fair amount of the things on Nickelodeon came from Canada or the UK or followed the model of pbs where you were actually watching a lot of tv programs that originated not in the states but like in the in commonwealth countries mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i always thought that was kind of a neat, neat parallel but i don't really say we i don't think anybody could make the argument that you can't do that on television was educational by any stretch but oh my god was it entertaining <laughs> it um, really was and and it and you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that um it was this show that introduced Nickelodeon to the idea of green slime. Right. There was the running um, gag, so to speak, that whenever a cast member on the show would say, I don't know, 
magically green slime would fall from the sky and cover them in green slime. Yep. Um, Not only that, but if they, if I remember right, if they said like, you know, wet or water, mm-hmm. they'd have water dumped on them. Water, exactly. There was water. And I think there was one other, and I can't remember what it was now. You know, there was one episode I thought was really interesting. Something I haven't talked a lot about on the show lately is how I think a lot of our childhood memories were shaped by the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And there was actually a whole episode of You Can't Do That on television where the show was going to get in. Oh, and, I vaguely remember that, I think. And they actually, um, there was actually red slime instead of green slime that episode, <laughs> which is really brilliant. That's hilarious. Um, I, I've read so many different things online of the the different um, recipes they've used over the years on that mm-hmm. show for the green slime. Mm-hmm. Some, and, and all of them sound intensely disgusting. And apparently there's lots and lots of testimonial from cast members of how a lot of the slime under the hot stage lights would just be revolting, basically. Oh, um, I think the worst one I saw was like green food coloring mixed with cottage cheese, Oof. which just, it sounds so bad. Yeah. Um, but oh my gosh. I mean, can we just can we just talk for a second about, I think his name was Les Lyle, the actor that played Barth. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, he played Barth. He played, there was a whole segment where they had, <laughs> there was one recurring segment where like the little kids were going to get executed by a firing squad yep. in like kind of a South American country. Yep, the firing squad. Yeah. He always played like the, 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 the head, the head officer in charge of the firing squad. Mm-hmm. Um, Lyle also played a character who was the sort of like the cameraman on the show. Oh, yeah. And he had this, and I don't know, ordered them around and stuff. Um, Barth of course was basically a character he played who was the head chef of a burger joint, but it was like, a this the most world's most disgusting and dirtiest restaurant basically yeah um oh my god what and the main set itself i don't know if you feel this way but it had this weird weird architecture like you you were in the inside of a geodesic dome yeah i I, I can't see that yeah i can't think of any other way to really describe it other than that no i Um, I think that's a good way but it's it's funny because i remember how even in our family we would adopt some of like like even bars like i heard that like we would do that we would do that to each other right right you know uh, yeah um, a lot of the mannerisms a lot of the in jokes um yeah. another another one of the adult actors uh ruth buzzy yeah she was on which, an early season or two yeah yeah um I mean, probably the most famous of the the kid actors who came out of that was um, Alanis Morissette. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you and I both know who we probably um, had the biggest effect. Uh, a little person we'd like to call Moose. Yes. Yeah, Moose. Indeed. She was uh, kind of like the host of many of the seasons. Uh, I don't know yeah, if host is the right word. Season she was. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe main kid. I don't know. Um, <laughs> She was great. Title, best grip, main kid. Totally right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, definitely. Um, and and it's one of those things where it's like you know, kind of talking about it. I'm like, okay, I need to set aside some time and go try to find some old episodes of this and watch them. Totally. I read a couple things. I think that Moose. She said that in some of the seasons, um, she cut her hair really short just mm-hmm. in personal life. But the cat, the the you know, the production people for filming purposes made her way wear a wig that looked like her original hair i feel like i remember reading that somewhere too yeah um and then two really weird things that i saw online which just blew me away apparently the people who made you can't do that on television 
made a, I, this was, I think back when it was still in Canada, they tried to get it on PBS in the early eighties, mm-hmm. but they made like, um, it was the same show, but a different name. It was called don't look now. And it was bizarre because it's like, it, I guess it really didn't get picked up or anything, but instead of green slime, they had yellow slime that they called yellow yuck. And it's, and, and it would get dumped on them when they said, don't blame me instead of, I don't know. Like it's this weird, almost like parallel universe where there was this whole other version of you can't do that on television, basically, oh, but with just some of the weird things changed that, that kind of stuck in my mind is kind of bizarre. Um, and then, okay. How weird is this? I think I emailed you about this. Apparently the people who made you can't do that on television made a pilot for another show for Nickelodeon called UFO kidnapped that oh, featured yes. many of the same actors from you can't do that on television. I, and you found the like the thing of the video of it on like YouTube or something. I think. Uh, yeah, I figured I'm like, okay, this this is so weird. And, you know, UFOs are so relevant to my interests these days. Yeah. Um, that I'm like, I've at least got to like, look this up because I've never heard of this before. Like you have yeah. the most bizarre connections. Uh, oh, my God. Some of these shows that we're talking about tonight. Um, but yeah, I actually found um okay and the first part i sent you the link for and and in the description it's got the link to the second part um okay. and it's only yeah i think altogether it's only about maybe 40 45 minutes um but i'm like oh my god it it's out there i'm like i've got to watch this i mean this is talk about synchronicities you know right and and the thing is it's like um i haven't watched it yet but how much do i love the fact that i live in a universe where there was basically like a you can't do that on television about alien abductions basically you know yeah, not not the only time alien abductions are going to come up in this discussion of Nick i know Lewis, right so yeah weird really weird jeez uh, but yeah what a huge show just oh massive just a like, lot of heart that is yeah. one of those things that i would really consider buying the series on dvd mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah uh, definitely. if i could just because of just how legendary it is yeah oh good stuff good stuff um another legendary show this probably probably i would consider it the 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 second most popular nick show after you can't do that on television it's double dare i mean i think in t- at least in terms of like ratings success i mean honestly i think double dare from what i read online basically was the show that made nickelodeon what it was yeah. you know what i mean i would agree with um, that. i would absolutely agree with that I mean, obviously, if you're not familiar with the concept, it was basically a game show, but for little kids, um, there would be, I think, generally speaking, at least in the initial uh, original show, there would be two teams, each team, two individuals, two kids. Um, They would answer questions, trivia questions. I think the way it worked was if you didn't, if you didn't know the answer, you could, you could give it to the other team. And then if they won it, they would get twice as much money, but they had the option of double daring it back to you and then if you could either try to answer it or you could do the physical challenge mm-hmm. which was like doing some ridiculous thing like trying to you know one one member would throw chicken eggs across the, the sound stage to the other kid and have it try to fall in their trousers or something like that you know yeah something weird like that and then at the end of the thing whichever of the two teams had the greater point value or whatever went on to the um the big disgusting uh event where they actually had to of mazes and obstacle courses. Mm-hmm. It was almost like, um, like, uh, almost like the old 
board game mousetrap, like just really bizarre things that were also really disgusting. And they had to do, they had to find these flags hidden in disgusting things. And it was almost like a relay race or they would have to pass the baton kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, The one that really stuck out in my mind, there's one called, there was one um, stage or station called Picket. I had forgotten about this until I saw your note. I was like, oh my God. That's right. I remember this. Picket was like a three foot tall, like, presumably foam or plastic human nose and the child would have to reach up into one of the two nostrils which was filled with green slime type stuff obviously mm-hmm. it's not and search for this orange flag that they'd have to find and then pass off to their teammate you know and of yeah. course all the time there's a clock ticking down basically the seconds um what an amazing show what a disgusting show oh completely um, I, it, it really it's it's trivia meets messy stunts meets obstacle course I mean, you know, it kind of it kind of ties into you can't do that on television in terms of at least the green of it. This really is the show that um, kind of cemented green slime as a Nickelodeon thing. Um, yeah. But you ask a lot of people, and they probably remember Double Dare, but they don't remember you can't do that on television. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's probably true. And and so. I, I take great pride in going, well, yes, that's great and all, but they got the green slime idea from these Canadians. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. Not yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, America's really good at that, borrowing things from Canada and uh, running with it. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> we, we must always remember that up until 1929, Canada had plans drawn up, never implemented on invading the U.S. <laughs> Just in case they needed to. Just in case, you know. Yeah, right. What are neighbors say sorry the whole time. Yeah, right. Sorry. We're we're taking over. But you're going to get health care out of it. (laughs) Do you remember the human-sized hamster wheel from from Double Dare? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. As a kid, I wanted so bad to go inside that thing. (laughs) The most running you ever wanted to do as a kid, too. Pretty much. You know what? There is one thing I will say about this show that doing the research. I remember that. That's that was a great memory. Mm-hmm. But there was something that I learned that I never knew before, and it blew my mind. Apparently, the set design was really inspired by something called Memphis Group. Yeah, I've heard of Memphis Group. You've heard of Memphis Group. Oh, I had yeah. never heard. I had never heard of Memphis Group, and I was like, "What the heck?" And of course, it has nothing to do with Memphis. It's a, a type of furniture design that was popular in Italy of all places um, back in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I read online that was great, uh, it said Memphis designs. Colorful furniture has been described as bizarre, misunderstood, loathed, and this is the best part, quote, a shotgun wedding between Bauhaus and Fisher Price. Um, and it's it's so amazing because when I would do image searches online for Memphis Group Furniture, mm-hmm. all of the furniture, the colors, the shapes, it was like I'd never heard of this thing before, but I knew it intimately because I had seen so many um Things like PB's Playhouse or yep. um, some of the old stores at the local Valley Fair shopping mall, like um, uh, 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 Z Gallery, uh, like Z Gallery, and right. all that kind of funky pop Slightly art looking geometric. But it would be a couch that would be like neon blue, and it would be in the shape of a giant triangle. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like it was so perfect because it was just like. It was Double Dare. Double Dare was Memphis Group. It was just so great. And I'm really, I was really tickled to see that uh, uh, a huge collector of Memphis Group was actually uh, David Bowie, apparently. Nice. I think he was a really big fan, big fan too. So. Nice. Wow. Um, and, you know, how can we talk about Double Dare without talking about the great, one of the greatest 
game show hosts ever, Mark Summers, in oh, my opinion. Most definitely, who I also remember from a show that would take your uh, your favorite sweets and your favorite candies and tell you the history. Unwrapped. Them, which I think, uh, yes, Unwrapped. That's the name. Yeah. Oh, God, I've been trying to remember it for days now. Oh, yeah, and no. And you're just like, oh, it's this. Oh, yes. Yeah, Unwrapped. totally. Unwrapped. I mean, even now we see him occasionally on like Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives mm-hmm. you know, with Guy Fieri yes, and stuff. That's right. Um, Mark Summers, you know, um, really interesting stuff. Apparently he got the job. Um, this is really funny. He was 34 years old at the time, but he was obligated um, by Nickelodeon. Not focus groups thought he was actually 10 years younger than he really was. Oh, interesting. Um, which which I thought was really cool. Um, and then, you know, in doing research for, for, for this month's show, one of the things that really kind of hit me emotionally was... Um, Summers's um, struggles and later advocacy for mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Very true. Um, apparently, he's he's struggled and publicly as well with um, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, uh, and uh, he apparently in the nineties he produced a VHS video box set uh, talking about his experiences, and it was called "Everything in Its Place: My Trials and Triumphs with Obsessive Compulsive Disorder," and supposedly. I don't know if this is true. I mean, I just read it on the internet. So, you know, not everything on the internet is true. And here Wait, at the Institute, <laughs> I know here at the If Memory Serves podcast, we're not fans of fake news, but <laughs> apparently going public with his OCD cost Summers a job as a host of Hollywood Squares Revival, and he was replaced by Tom Bergeron. Oh, interesting. And here's the thing. It's like, okay, as a kid, I loved Mark Summers because he was awesome and his show was awesome. But... It's like I had this whole range of emotions that hit me. Like, first of all, I felt like a, a lot of sympathy for him, you know, and love towards him because he had to deal with this. Um, and then I felt like, you know, admiration that he was able to, you know, be such a professional that it never really showed, at least, you know, watching it on TV, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I got kind of, I don't know, really angry about the fact that, you know, he basically lost like work because of his coming out and speaking out for this issue. You know what I mean? Like I got really kind of angry basically. Um, Like it just didn't seem fair, you know? Um, And then I actually even got to a point where um, I just kind of felt like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't want to trivialize any of his problems or any mental health issues, but I mean, there's part of me too that thinks that I would probably shower repeatedly after being on the set of a tv show as disgusting as double dare to be honest with you you know um there was a little audio clip that i did find on youtube that um hopefully we can we can fit into the show because i think it's really really powerful well yeah why don't we listen to that right now it's only about three seconds yeah yeah definitely yeah here we go i have a form of anxiety disorder called obsessive compulsive disorder or ocd OCD is all about compulsive rituals, and mine were about cleanliness and making things symmetrical. I would take showers after each show. I would shower at the studio, and then go back to the hotel and shower again. I just wanted to get clean. Compulsive disorder. So yeah, um, interesting. Just like really kind of fascinating that that was something that he dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, I mean, it, it makes me, I guess, respect the dude even so much more that he was able to, to power through those issues uh, and eventually make a product that was just so magical for you and I growing up and for millions of others uh, oh, around yeah. the world watching that show, you know? Totally. 
Very cool stuff. Totally. Um, You know, there was another uh, game show that was on Nickelodeon that I I have decent memories of. uh, Okay. Finders Keepers. Wow. Um, What can you tell me about? I I really struggled. I don't really have any memories about this. Maybe you can help Um, jog my memories. I might have some. Two rounds. Each of two halves. Uh, The first half of each round involved finding hidden pictures in like a complex drawing. Okay. Right, and the second half involved literally like ransacking rooms in a large house built on set. Does that ring? Wow, the picture thing. I keep seeing like the TV show, the game show Pictionary. Okay, yeah, like this is think more like. Do you remember like like a Scholastic magazine or, or or highlights or something? And there'd be a picture, but you're like, oh, you gotta find a candle and a pickaxe. And a pencil and an upside down ice cream cone somewhere in this picture. So like a Where's Waldo kind of thing? Like you're scanning uh, a big sort of, but okay. you know, these different items were worked into existing shapes and existing <sighs> drawings in this scene. Oh. Does that make not like sense? not like a magic eye poster though. No, no, no. Oh no, 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 okay. no, no. Okay. No, nothing like that. It mm-hmm. literally it's like, oh, here's this big scene of people playing in a park. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. But, and here's the here, but one of the flowers mm. is, you know, the stem looks like a pencil. Oh, there's the pencil. Huh. You okay. Know what talking about? Yeah, it's like those weird drawings where, like, if you had to draw one way, it looked like a dog, but you turned it upside down and it was like an old lady. Maybe? Uh, no. no. Okay. I, you know, I'm feeling it. it but I couldn't feel more next, in terms of trying next, to remember Next time show. you're over, I'll just grab some of the kids' highlights magazines and I'll show you what I do. Yes. Which yes. isn't going to help our listeners at home. Um, or Unless they come over too. Yeah, sure. Come right. on over. We'll all just play with highlights magazines now that the kids have found them all. Um, but but the second half, they, they literally had these, you know, these rooms okay. um, built on set. So... You now had to, you had a, a, a you'd race against the clock mm-hmm. to find a particular object somewhere in this room. Okay. Right? Um, and, and, it, and it could be anywhere. <laughs> that sounds like my bedroom growing up, basically, you know? <laughs> I, I had five minutes before we had to leave for school, and I'm, like, tearing things apart looking for an action figure or something. Sounds about Wow. Right. Since it was well, my I'm room, gonna... too. Yeah, it um, was um, obviously not as popular as Double Dare, um, mm. not necessarily as memorable as evidence your reaction. Um, <laughs> but but I remember watching this, and you know, especially with the first half, like looking for objects in a picture, uh-huh. and you know, you can see it, but you know, the 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 contestant can't, and you're kind of shouting at the TV. It's like it's right there. Okay, I got. Right I see. There. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's the green man in the tree. Oh wait, no, that's yeah. that's Hellier. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, finders keepers, man. Look was that, was, that one was the hope was the host anybody like that I would know? Or... I don't think so. No, okay. I mean, I literally can't remember who the host was. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. No, okay. I'm I'm even looking at it on Wikipedia right now, and I'm like, yeah, don't remember who that was. Okay. Okay. Well, finders keepers, we salute you. <laughs> Lots of saluting going on. <laughs> um, Seb, tell us about this this next one because this one this one has deep deep roots in our family. Right. I think if I'm not mistaken, this is that was an animated show. Mm-hmm. 
Um, again, also a show from Britain. So, so we got the PBS Commonwealth thing going on here. And of course, it's the one and only Count Ducula, uh, aired from 88 to 93. Um, and, and this was interesting. You, you mentioned it's actually a spinoff from another British cartoon show called Danger Mouse. Yeah, I did not realize that. Um, Count Ducula, I mean, first of all, the, the first thing that jumps to mind is the fact that, hey, there were a lot of, and when I say a lot, maybe two, a lot of cartoon shows growing up about animated ducks. That's kind of interesting. Yes. Interesting. Well, um, but uh, Count Ducula, the premise, wow, where do we begin? There is a duck who is a vampire, hence Count Ducula. Yes. And he lives in the castle, and he comes from a long line of vampires that, you know, like vampires do, they get killed occasionally, stake through the heart, whatnot. But apparently, if I remember the legend or the lore of the cartoon correctly, the, the ducks in this family can get resurrected, basically. Correct. And there's there's a ceremony to resurrect the duck involving blood. But one of Count's employees, Nanny, I guess, mm-hmm. um, accidentally substitutes blood with ketchup. Yep. So when Count Duckula is resurrected, he's resurrected as a cartoon vampire duck, but he is a vegetarian rather than a blood drinker. And hilarity I, ensues. And hilarity ensues. <laughs> did I get did I get that correct? Am I correct? You did. You did okay. get that correct. Absolutely. Because, because just on paper, that's pretty bad shit. <laughs> you know? But it works. It was such a great cartoon show. Yeah. Um, it and really I was. I don't know about you, but I think that might have been the first time in my life I was ever exposed to the, even the idea of what vegetarianism was. Um, like I, I, I don't know if I'd even even heard the word before that. No, you, know? you know that's very possible. Yeah, I'm not one hundred percent sure about that. Totally. Um, one of the things that I always remember is um, Mom's impersonation of Nanny going "Cooey Ducky Boo." <laughs> totally. Just you know, this, totally. Again, yeah. Pop culture just taking hold in our family and influencing we, the things we say. <laughs> no, I know we, we we incorporated so much of these things. The part of the theme song was just really great. Apparently composed by a guy named Mike Harding. Mm-hmm. And again, with the synchronicities, apparently in 2013, he wrote a book called the VW camper van, uh, a biography. So, um, I, I suppose I'm trying to think if I actually have that. <laughs> I think of it. I mean, I've got, a, uh, like three boxes worth of books that I don't even have out on bookshelves right now. And, and I wow. know I've got some of my older, uh vw books uh back there um so i might have it if not this might be worth sticking on a uh a christmas list or something i know presumably a you know vw bus aficionado um i can't I, I think it would be pretty cool to maybe get an autographed copy and then like you know have them do like a count Dracula thing i don't know maybe a sketch or something like that i think that would be pretty i don't awesome know i mean actually. this is a guy that wrote the theme song he might not have an ounce of uh Artistic talent, yeah, or no. drawing talent, I drawing guess. Drawing talent, yeah. artistic talent, yes, because we could, <laughs> we, we could, we could make the listeners listen to the Count Dracula theme song if we wanted to. Hey, that's a great idea. All right, should we do it? Yes, let's do it. Ready? All right. Ducula. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow. Oh, man. You know what? When I heard that, it brought back so many memories. (laughs) And then a couple days later, I listened to the theme song they played during the credits to Count Dracula. Okay. Wow. So much better. Yeah. I mean, oh, but the whole thing was just amazing. Great, great, great show. I love Um, that show. I miss it. I miss it too, dude. Uh, Uh, Speaking of cartoons. Yeah. So next up on our list of memories of Nickelodeon is a great show called the mysterious cities of gold and um it aired on nickelodeon from about 86 to 90 mm-hmm. um it was probably my favorite nick show of all times oh god yeah it, i mean it, i loved it, it but yeah. you were like i was obsessed uh, with you this were. show i was obsessed with the, um cartoon show maybe only kid show i ever saw that was really episodic where you actually had to know what happened in the previous episode mm-hmm. to kind of follow along with the plot you know kind of a yeah. longer form storytelling yeah it definitely um, was uh to make a long story short it's basically the story of a couple of kids in the 16th century in the new world there's spanish conquistadors there's quests for of course cities made of gold the famous legend of el dorado um it's based loose it's a japanese french collaboration it's a production that aired in places like japan france canada um finally got dubbed into english and showed on you know nickelodeon um loosely based on a beloved children's book by scott odell called the king's fifth Mm -hmm. um but probably also just as equally based on a famous book from i think the 70s called the chariots of the gods which eric von dashkin yeah, mm-hmm. which argued that a lot of South American culture was influenced by um, visitation by ancient aliens, basically. Um, and the cartoon basically tied these two books together in the sense that it's the At the same time, there's UFOs and aliens and crap and monsters and stuff. Yeah. Um, totally amazing. Blew my mind. Um, watched every episode, which apparently was aired on Nickelodeon at like six in the morning or something it ridiculous. Was, yeah. It was so, really, really <laughs> early in the morning. It was one of those things where they probably agreed to show it. Yeah. But it, it was like, for them, it wasn't like, you know, their A-list stuff. Right. So here's like, you know, Nick at Night has just ended. You know, some kids are up, but mm-hmm. we don't want to show the good stuff right at, you know, first thing in the morning. We want to wait until they're up and getting ready for school or whatever at like 7. Right. So oh let's just shove it here at like six yeah. in the morning and but we would get up and we oh would my god just wrapped with attention religiously i think it was like the thing right before it i don't know if it was it couldn't have been on nick it was probably another channel but it was like there was a show called great chefs great cities and i watched that and then right after that it would be mysterious use gold and i would be you know every other kid in america is sleeping in and i'm like waking up at five in the morning before school to watch the show you know what i mean <laughs> um it's I, crazy because i Oh, go ahead. I, I just, I just want to say because since you mentioned uh, Von Daniken and Chariots of the God, just point out um, as as someone who has you know studied at least a little bit of the stuff, and as entertaining as the show Ancient Aliens is, the whole Ancient Alien theory is actually insanely racist. Is it really? Oh yes. Oh well, basically, yeah. I mean, I totally saying. That oh yeah. These, these non-white cultures couldn't be oh, smart yeah. enough to do all these things. Oh, themselves yeah. they had to have had help from aliens which it's totally for aliens but 
ancient it's, alien theory in particular is actually incredibly racist and i know that we're I, not no yeah espousing I, it you're just making the connection but right i just want to throw that out there I, I i totally agree i think that um the thought that humans aren't smart enough to build like for instance the great pyramids in, mm-hmm. in giza and egypt i mean i think that's i think that's offensive to our species you know i think we are smart enough to build things like that you know what i mean agreed um yeah no uh point taken point taken um I will say that, I mean, for one thing, theme song, again, amazing, composed by epic TV show music composer Shuki Levy, who we will be talking more about in episode two, I think. Yeah, I've done quite um, a lot. A lot of stuff. Very prolific. Hmm? In middle school, I found it at, the, at our school library. And oh, no kidding. Checked it out primarily because at this point in my life, I was obsessed with conquistadors and stuff because of the show. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of it previously. And once I realized that the book basically had the same plot and the same character names as the TV show, I I was so shocked, but also so dumb. I didn't realize that the cartoon show was based on the book, but I had thought that I had found this crazy secret that nobody else in the universe knew about, <laughs> that there was this book from the 60s that had the same plot as a great cartoon show in the 80s. Uh-huh. Um, just really quickly, um, when I went to... Um, university in Britain in about 2000, mm-hmm. um, I was a member of a group called the Oxford University Vintage Cartoon Society. Nice. And they showed Mysterious Cities of Gold. It had been the first time since the 80s I had seen it. And they actually, before they aired it at some of the meetings of the club, they made everybody promise not to ask where they get the copies because they would be asked so often from people to get have duplicates made, basically. Mm-hmm. I think about 2000, a guy named Tim Scutt, and this was, he was amazing because what he did was he had, was obsessed with the show as well, had VHS tape copies from that he recorded when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And he did all this crazy stuff. This was before the, the English language version was released on DVD in 2009. Um, he took the, the French or the Japanese DVDs that had already come out at that point and using computer technology put the English language audio and music over the DVDs and he would sell these bootleg copies. Oh wow. That and that for a time was the only place you could find the English language stuff. And it's amazing because he would relate stories about how some of the voice actors who voiced the American or the English language version would actually contact him because they would be like, Hey, listen, I was on this weird show and I really wanted to show it to my kids, you know? And and he would sell like these copies of the DVDs to these folks. That's insane. Um, when I was a kid, I was, I mean, one year for Halloween, I dressed up as a conquistador because I was so into this show. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I also got super into the idea of hidden treasures, buried treasures. Mom, God bless her, one time uh, was watching the Home Shopping Club channel. Mm-hmm. One of the things they were selling was a whole bunch of coins that had been recovered off the coast of Florida from a Spanish shipwreck called the Atocha. Mm-hmm. And and she bought one of these coins as a gift for me. And I've had it framed and on the wall of wherever I've lived for about the past 25 years. I'm looking at it right now. That's awesome. And um, I mean, there was this one point when I was a kid when I had mom and dad take me to a coin shop and I spent $50 on a little hand palm-sized silver ingot Mm-hmm. that i would like i had as like it was almost like a pet you know <laughs> and and there were times in my childhood when i would like be short on cash and i would sell it to dad 
And then it would like live in mom and dad's bedroom. And then sometimes I would, like a month later, I would buy it back from him or something. It was this really bizarre scenario or ritual. Wow. And it was all tied back to this amazing TV show that I was obsessed with and am still obsessed with. And it was just so good. There was a, a, a set of action figures that was released in France uh, maybe 20 years ago. And they're super hard to find. And I found a set online in the original packaging and instantly bought it. And oh used, gosh. used Google and eBay asking if he would ship to the United States. And it is so sweet. And I just love that show so have much. I see oh my God. I'm not sure. I'll have to show them to you sometime. I would They're, love to see them. If they had come out when I was a kid, I would have played the, the shit out of them. Oh, things. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. good. It would have been Esteban versus G.I. Joe at some point. I know, right? Oh, jeez. God, I love that show. Hey, what show are we going to talk about next? Okay, let's let's get into our Nick at Night uh, yeah. mode here as we get okay. later and later in the episode. Thanks for sticking with us, folks. Um, we've talked about our Civil War reenacting memories, um, and yeah. one show that we would see on Nick at Night that timed in perfectly with this period in our life was a 1960s era show called F Troop. Right. This is going to be some of the... You know, a lot of the Nick at Night shows, as we talked about earlier, are going to be kind of reruns of classic TV sitcoms and things like that from the 50s or 60s. F Troop, um, I think Forrest Tucker played the sergeant. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, it was a, a comedy based on like an old Western cowboys versus Indians kind of stuff. A... Yeah, basically, this was uh, like, actually, I think um, uh, F Troop took place just after the end of the Civil War, if I'm not mistaken. It was more of a, a Western territories outpost Mm-hmm. kind of thing and so yeah forrest tucker larry storch larry storch yeah um and for whatever reason the um the main guy his name is escaping me right now i know the, the captain who actually passed away not too long ago we gave him a shout out on the episode oh yeah um, yeah 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 they um, had the you know they were in like a wooden log fort um every episode started with a cannon being fired and knocking over like a watchtower or something oh yeah i think yeah <laughs> Um, I mean, it was almost like, I know this is a bad analogy, but it reminded me of MASH in the sense that it was a, a military comedy, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, yeah, I guess. I think, I think you that's know? a good way of putting it. Um, maybe not like entirely politically correct by today's standards, maybe. Oh my gosh, no. I mean, just <laughs> the the Indians. Yeah, I mean, you know. Show, um, who were yeah. called the Hakawi. Yes, the Hakawi, yeah. Um, named for the fact that they had been traveling for a very long time, because obviously America has displaced uh, all its natives, native peoples, and eventually they go, hey, where are the Hakawi? I know, yeah. Um, apparently, as I was doing research for this episode, the tribe was originally named the Fugawi. <laughs> Um, but the censors figured out where that joke was oh. headed and went, no, 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 sorry, you can't do that. And so they became the Hakawi. Standards and practices, they uh, came down on them. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, boy. Um, I never knew that until just, you know, like last week. <laughs> um, but after, man, it just was... It was fun because it was the closest thing to a, a Civil, War, Civil War reenacting TV show that we could find, you know? Yeah, and it was one of those things that at least in in the group that I was in, you know, everybody else in the group knew of F Troop. So we could make like F Troop jokes. Right, exactly. When we were reenacting uh-huh. and 
that was just something for us to kind of bond. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great, great show. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and, and as far as Nick at night goes also, uh, uh, you know, F troop being a cavalry troop, uh, sticking with the, mm -hmm. the horse theme, Mr. Ed. Yeah. Wow. Classic, classic Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed. How much, how much Mr. Ed do you remember? Well, okay. I remember Wilbur, who was his owner, I suppose. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wil Wilbur, Wilbur Post. Wilbur Post. Um, who, who here's the thing. Um, Will he, the only other role that I was familiar with her, with him, that actor, he was in the, um, the H.G. Wells, The Time Machine. He played the, oh, um, yes. the Scottish mm -hmm. friend of the, the, the machine's inventor. Um, and That's I great. remember that, uh, those two actors, they passed away like five years ago, like back to, in back to back years. And I remember I only found out mm -hmm. about it years later and I was really ticked off because, I love that movie. I love Mr. Ed, and I never. There were never. There were, I, I, I'm a big aficionado of the end of the year dead people montages that you might see on the Oscars or Turner Classic movies. And they yes, yeah, and or they never memoriams. they never threw that guy in there. And that would have been that would have added such a note of resonance. I thought for me, um, uh, I'm, I'm afraid I, I don't remember the actor's name off the top of my head, uh, unfortunately. But um, Alan I Young, can see him in my head. And I, Alan Young, you have it right here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Alan Young. I mean, Mr. Ed, uh, obviously a talking horse who mm -hmm. he, he, he would only talk. He would, to okay. He would only talk to Wilbur. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I remember loving the show. I really don't remember any of the plot explanation as to why he was talking or was it hallucination? Was Alan Young like doing drugs or no, actually, actually, it turns out that um, Wilbur was an unfortunate uh, recruit into MK Ultra. Uh, Shut up! Ghost was so much LSD <laughs> that he thought his horse was talking. No, I don't know. I don't remember that yeah, either. Okay. Um, I I don't remember why he would only talk to okay. Wilbur. Um, I know. I remember. I always thought he. I always thought Mr. Ed sounded like Elvis. Yeah, I guess a little bit. You know, I don't dig singing the blues. Yeah. Uh, okay. I can see that. Um, I can, I can actually I can actually kind of remember the theme song amazingly. Do 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 A horse is a horse, of course, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is something, 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 something famous, Mister Ed. Yeah, it was. Of course, I remember. I remember every literal word of that that theme song, basically. Even the something something. I definitely have a memory from the '90s of people maybe at high school parties who would, you know, casually like offer up trivia to the effect that, oh, did you know that Mr. Hor Mr. Ed's mouth would move on the set because they would put peanut butter in his mouth? Or yeah, some right. people said that there was some sort of electric shock probe that, you know, they would shock the animal. I have no idea if any of those things were true, but yeah. everyone was like terrifying that I heard. So, um, so dig this. Um, okay. Mr. Ed's real name okay. is Bamboo Harvester. <laughs> what the hell not? Why the hell not? Wait, but Mr. Ed's such a better name. Bamboo Harvester sounds like a brand of like like lawnmower or something. Exactly. Well, holy cats! Maybe okay. you liked eating bamboo. 
All right. You know, yeah, I enjoy wrestling. Chinese food too. So, um, no, uh, his trainer was a guy named Les Hilton. Uh, so okay. to create the impression that Ed was having a conversation, uh, uh-huh. Les Hilton initially used a thread technique that he employed uh, in some other film work that he'd done. Um, and Alan Young recounted it was initially done by putting a piece of nylon thread okay. in a horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the way he says it, Ed actually learned to move his mm. In fact, he soon learned to do it when I stopped talking during a scene. Wow. That's kind of scary. Um, a little Jeez. bit. I mean, um, yeah, wow. But there's a there's a Mr. Ed connection to another Nick at Night show that we used to watch um, that actually didn't get stuck on the list, and maybe we need to add it yeah. next month. I'm not sure. But um, so Bamboo Harvest. I'm just going to call him Ed. No, I can't call him Bamboo no, Harvest. No, Ed's yeah. stablemate yeah. was a quarter horse named Pumpkin. Okay. Um, Pumpkin actually was also Ed's stunt double on the show. <laughs> because, of course, a horse is Of course. Stunt well, of course. You know. Freaking Hollywood. Right. Um, so this horse would later appear again on Green Acres. Oh, great show. We definitely have to talk yes. about Green Acres, for sure. Um, yeah, I know. Wait, let me go look at next yeah. month. Um, you know what? I can, I can think of one show that I would happily cut out okay. of there to stick Green Acres. Sounds in. good. So anyway, yeah, go ahead with what you were gonna say. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I don't. I mean, I remember it being a, a funny show. I think there was a laugh track. Mm-hmm. It's definitely. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when that show got pitched, you know, to the network. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, if, if listeners, if you've never seen Mr. Ed, go. Go YouTube up some Mr. Ed because it, it really is kind of classic as far as you know vintage TV goes. I could see like I could see like Will Ferrell trying to have like a reboot. You oh, know? God. Oh my God! I actually I really could totally see that. Yeah, he's. That's I think scary. it's a weird enough idea that it might appeal again. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just the lateness of the hour, but yeah, I could totally see that being a thing. Yeah. Right. And then rounding up tonight's episodes, I thought it wouldn't be appropriate to end an episode without us talking about a show from Nick Jr., which was the part of Nickelodeon where they showed shows for really, really, really little kids, like yeah. preschool and stuff like that. And I thought I'd... I'm more familiar with Nick Jr. from my kids watching it. <laughs> oh, is it still around? Oh, yeah. Do they have any of the classic stuff or is uh, it all new? Oh, okay. No. Um, but yeah, there was a, there was a fun animated japanese series called the adventures of the little koala and i vaguely um, remember animals anthropomorphic animals that lived in australia there was the main character was a little koala named Rubear, and you know there were there was a little kangaroo and a little you know all the little sort of little, little animals and critters and stuff from down there the i'll be honest who was a secret agent oh wait no that's from <laughs> sorry i'll be honest i i have over the years um thought about us maybe doing an episode based on things from our childhood that we liked that were inspired by things from Australia or New Zealand. And this was kind of like the thing I kept in my back pocket. Oh, um, really? But uh, it's fine to talk about it now, I think. Um, each episode, you know, half an hour long, but there'd be two segments each hour, each mm-hmm. segment that's long. Yeah. Um, they'd get involved with different kind of antics and adventures. There was one episode, and of course, because it was Japanese-produced um, I mean, I hate to stereotype, but I, I, I do think that at least in parts of Japanese culture, there is a 
interest in, in things related to the paranormal almost reaching American interest levels. Mm-hmm. There's an episode of The Adventures of the Little Koala where they um, they discover a extinct giant bird called the Moa Moai. Okay. I think at the time there were actually actual tele- Japanese television news crews that would um, produce television specials where they would go looking for cryptozoological animals like this very same. Sure, sure, sure. Bird. Um, but probably my favorite episode was the episode where Rubert and his friends got abducted by aliens. <laughs> Which is just insane. When you said that, I was like, wait, what? I, I know, because it's just, I mean, God bless Japan, because it's like most animated shows we're going to watch, we're going to see, you know, you know, DuckTales and Scrooge McDuck, you know, doing some sort of weird adventure. But then you get to some of these Japanese animated shows and, you know, the little characters are going to get abducted on a UFO and go into outer space. And it's because like, what is going on? Why Why wouldn't, you know, if aliens are, will abduct somebody out of the, the woods, why not? why not also pick up a koala while you're at it? I know, right? Anyway, that was the episode. That episode stuck with me. That was one of the episodes where, you know, I didn't need to go look at it on YouTube. I didn't need to look at Wikipedia. I still remember that stuff. Now, now, like, did, you, did you look? Is that one out there on YouTube? Could could it be it, found? It, it is. It okay. is. You can watch it. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. It might be Daily Motion, but I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. All right. Um, but yeah, as I make it sound, there's no uh, probing going on. There's no alien implants as far as I know. <laughs> Um, they're, they're returned with no lost time. Right, exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, if you do have any fond memories of this show or any of the shows we've talked about tonight, you know, I hope you've enjoyed our episode. We'd love to hear from you on, on our social media if you want to chime in. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, man, yeah. Throw throw us some of the, uh, the, the weird Nickelodeon shows you remember. Yeah, totally. Um, so, Seb, I'd, I'd say let's point out what we're talking about next time but it's it's just gonna be more nickelodeon pretty much more of the same but i think we have some real i think we had some big shows tonight but i think we're gonna have some big big shows next month as well definitely yeah. definitely um gonna have some more more notes to fill in before we get there but we've at least yeah. started totally. we just went there's too many to talk about I know. almost to an hour and a half so <laughs> i think we learned our lesson after the video game episode where yeah. we were like three and a half hours long yeah <laughs> Yeah, we learned our lesson early on. Uh, well, between now and then, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Memory Serves Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Blue Box UFO, and you can follow Slab Clan McMuffin. Indeed, uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, heck, wherever you consume podcasts. Just search if Memory Serves. Uh, please, if you can, if you're in a position to rate and review us as well, we always appreciate that. Um, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G. And you will get all the different shows that the network puts out. Uh, head on over to notlg.spreadshirt.com and get yourself one of our sweet, sweet cassette-shaped, uh, if memory serves, shirts. Um, and if you are at all able to, we would greatly appreciate it uh, if you can help support us at patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. A little help goes a long way. Amen. Amen to that. So, uh, folks, have a lovely March. Welcome spring. And uh, we will come to you in April. All right. Stay stay healthy, everybody.